Hello there, I'm Dwayne McCrary. I'm the team leader for Adult Explore the Bible, and today I'm joined by Fran Triscritti. Fran, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Well, thank you so much for letting me be here, and, and just thrilled to be here. My, uh, my role with LifeWay is to be the brand manager for Explore the Bible, and that basically means I, I help the churches to understand and to work with a book-by-book study uh, across all age groups. It's, it's a thrill to be able to do that and uh, meeting a lot of great people as I do that. Well, Fran, thank you for working us into your schedule today and being here with us. Uh, this second session, we're looking at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Uh, in these v- verses, Paul, first of all, calls on Timothy to lead the church to pray for the salvation of all people. He's talking about kings and authorities. Uh, this type of prayer focus is born out of God's desire for all people to be saved through faith in Jesus. He then turns his attention to men and male believers and calls on them to set the example through prayer with love and unity. After verse, uh, in beginning of verse 9, then, he then focuses on women, and he encourages them to be mindful of their dress and actions, especially when gathered for worship. The focus of this particular lesson is is thinking about how we represent God in this world and how our participation in worship is a part of that representation. Um, You know, beginning the the very very first idea here, Fran, he's Mm -hmm. talking about appropriate ways of praying for government leaders. You know, what are some appropriate ways praying for our government leaders? And then the opposite of that is what are some inappropriate ways of praying for them? Yeah, well, absolutely. God... Uh, does give us appropriate ways through the writings of Paul and elsewhere uh, to pray for our leaders. So let's remember a couple of things. First of all, we got to remember that the culture has been and continues to be hostile to the gospel. Uh, why is this the case? Well, we're broken people. We live in a broken world, and and our sinful nature causes us to desire uh, a life away from God's righteousness, and we want to go to our own righteousness. We're all idols. Uh, the, the second thing we need to remember besides that is that authorities have an influence on the life of the community. They, they, uh, they can influence how the community acts. Is a community safe? Is it secure? Or is it chaotic? Is it dangerous? Can people enjoy life? Or do they fear for their lives? And so what Paul is saying here is that believers should be praying for leaders to have an environment of freedom and peace, tranquility so that the Christian life can be lived openly without persecution. So it's absolutely appropriate to pray for a peaceful and tranquil community. It's appropriate to pray for our leaders by name to accomplish that. And we don't see anything here in a text that says we only pray for those leaders who agree with us politically. I mean, Paul lived under an evil, bloated, hateful time of Roman rule, yet he was still willing to pray for his leaders, and so should we. You mentioned praying for them by name. Mm. A quote that comes to my mind, uh, this, was, this was written some time ago by Arthur Flake. Uh, this is in the book, The True Functions of the Sunday School. Mm. And he's talking about the, the, the need to pray for people by name in this, this quote. So let me just read it to you. Yeah. It's very much easier to become intensely concerned about the salvation of the souls of people when we know them personally, who they are, and where they live. Bill Smith may be the one, maybe only one of a hundred lost people in the community. However, the chances of winning Bill Smith to Christ are multiplied a hundredfold when we have his name, age, address, and know from his own testimony that he is a lost man. 
Uh, it reminds me of how many times we're guilty. Uh, we pray for all the lost people in our community, and then we walk away from that, and we forget that those people have names. And when we pray for them by name, it changes how we not just view ourselves, but how we view people that we encounter each and every day. Amen. Amen. And, you know, they are image bearers of God, and, and we need to treat them as those image bearers of God. Whether they're saved or not, we need to know them as human beings, not just as numbers, not just as faceless people, but as human beings. And I think it's appropriate to do that and to pray for those leaders knowing that they are human beings and, and lifting them up before the Lord. Now, Fran, there's two big potholes in this this passage. Hmm. Uh, one is about women teaching. Mm -hmm. And then the second one is in verse 15, Paul uses the, or says the, makes the statement that women will be saved through childbirth. Hmm. Um, let's deal with the issue of women teaching. What are some ways people understand this passage in light of that, that idea? Sure, sure. Well, let me, let me begin by, by saying that oftentimes people go to two directions, how they interpret and apply passages in the Bible, passages in general, uh, not just this one. First, they might dismiss a passage because it's uncomfortable or it's difficult. And I, I get it. It's painful. It's The Bible's living and effective, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It, it cuts to our heart. Um, but, but the other camp of people exists where they read something into a passage that, that just isn't there, and they read something that the context doesn't play out, and they get passionate about it but it's not really in, a, in, in the, the text itself. So when we interpret and apply a passage, we want to be humble, we want to be faithful, we want to be students of the Word, and we want to look at the text in its context, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to let the Bible speak where it speaks. And, and so with that said, let's think about the context of where it's found. Uh, as we just mentioned, Paul begins this portion of the letter to Timothy by calling believers to pray for all people, all leaders, all peace, all tranquility. And, and the lesson that we have here is to drive home the point that we are representatives of God in the world. And it's a must for us to be ambassadors for Christ. And so we love people, we pray for them. And that's very simple so far. But, but this is also different than how the world would act, how the world would expect. I'm reading through the Bible and, and I read just this morning about Stephen and how Stephen, as he was getting stoned, asked for, for forgiveness for the people. He said, you know, Lord, do not hold this against them. That's very countercultural. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know that uh, we could say we would pray that way. That's right. That's right. So, so to take it further in being different than the world, distinct from the world, Paul's introducing this concept to men. He's saying, men, be models of godliness. Step out a little bit. Lead your homes. Lead your churches in prayer. Does it matter? If you lift up your hands to the Lord or fold your hands or shout at the top of your, your lungs, of course not. It, it, it doesn't matter that. But it does matter that whenever you do it, you lead out with a humble, loving heart, not sour, not argumentative, not angry. So taking this to women then, this same concept of humility applies, this godliness applies. And so Paul reminds, he begins by saying to the women, um, uh, let's 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 be models of modesty. Let's let's emphasize the inner beauty, not the external adornment. And so, Dwayne, the context of this passage is the Christians not to be focused on the shallow externals, the the idolatry that we have within ourselves, but on the depth of what Christ 
offers. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Uh, you know, and, and so a secure, strong Christian is a humble Christian, a morally upright Christian, a Christian with a teachable spirit who wants to be on mission for Jesus. A strong Christian man is a humble man, a morally upright man, a man with a teachable spirit who wants to be on mission for Jesus. And in the same way, a secure, strong Christian woman is a humble woman, a morally upright woman, a woman with a teachable spirit who wants to be on mission for Jesus. So the the greater point here is make your identity not on the things of the world, but on Christ alone. Now, that was was an issue uh, then. It's an issue today. Um, we have people trying to make their identity into something else. Um, we got logos on jackets and on hats, and people wear T-shirts with with their favorite uh, sports team, and and some people tattoo themselves with those. I don't know why that <laughs> happens, right? But 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 in a few months, we're going to see uh, football um, uh, season, and people will go with face paint and wear shirts with their logos of their favorite team. But that's all surface level. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian. Your identity is Christ. That's deeper than that. And Jesus loves the world. So we don't need empty affirmation from our practices or to be more important than the next guy. So this takes us to verse 11. And this is the the crux of what we're talking about, how Paul says simply that a woman is to first learn quietly and with full submission. And and it doesn't mean the physical, literal silence uh, it means a peaceful, teachable spirit. Kind of goes with the earlier passage of a tranquil and peaceful life. Um, it, 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 the King James says silence. We, we've got to be careful. That we don't, we don't want to me- imply a physical silence here. It's kind of the same sense that he says for men, not being argumentative, uh, not being angry. And so the context here is to learn, which is countercultural. It's countercultural. Now, what is she learning? She's learning biblical doctrinal instruction, faithful biblical teaching, and in the pastoral epistles, we can see that this is something that's being delivered by the pastor teacher. So she's humble and she's deferential to her pastor in his ministry of teaching. So we take it to verse 12, which is that passage that we we're getting to, and that is uh, the same context. And the idea is that the woman should not teach or have authority over men. Um, that applies to the authoritative teaching that we would see in the pastor. Um, that matches what Paul shares in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus and on the qualifications for pastor. But, but let's be clear, this does not dissuade women from being teachers because in other places in the New Testament, we see women teaching like in Acts 18, mm-hmm. um, in 2 Timothy and Titus, where uh, women are, are charged to teach other women, even children. But the idea is that there's different roles. And all of them are valuable to Christ and his kingdom. And, and as representatives of the God and world, we are a people of order and peace and, and mutual submission and godliness. So really the, the principle here is how, how, can we be, how, can we, how can we represent Christ well in this world and do it in a way that points to our submission to him, yeah. our, uh, realizing that all of us are created, um, equally, both men and women were both created in the image of God, but Amen. yet at the same time we have different roles, mm-hmm. and we need to to be affirming of that role, um, and be comfortable with that role. That's right. Um, it's not to say one's less or more than the other, but it all ultimately falls underneath the authority of the pastor. For he's he's the under shepherd. That's right. And he's the one who each one of us, whether we're men or women, and are teachers in that church. He's the one who we answer to as the under-shepherd. Um, 
as far as our doctrine, as far as what we teach in our Bible study groups. That's right. Um, he's the person that we're looking to, and it's important for us to keep that in mind. Um, what about this statement here, saved through childbirth? Yeah, uh, you know, some would, would say maybe that contradicts other passages about salvation through faith alone. But, but really, at first glance, out of context, you might think that. But this is why we must examine passages in context. I love book-by-book study. I, I think it helps us and it forces us to look at Scripture through the lens of Scripture. And this passage relates to what we just looked at. Paul is obviously not saying that women are literally being saved by, by having a child. But he is saying that we fulfill our roles in Christ. And, and, and it might be to, to be a, a mother. It might not be to be a mother. But whatever role they fulfill, they're proving the genuineness of their salvation as they follow Jesus in obedience. Uh, what are some other principles that we see here in this passage? Or uh, not other, just what are the principles we see in this passage? Well, we, we really see an, a, a very heavy emph- emphasis on serving Jesus because we love Jesus. We, we love Jesus and we want to grow in him. The, the idea of men stepping up and praying and, and, and arm in arm, hand in hand doing that, and the idea of, of women learning, which is countercultural, and, and learning and, and really taking an interest in growing in Jesus, we want to grow in him as a believer so we can follow in his gospel work. Um, I think there's a great, a great lesson here of different roles but equal value before God. We're all created by God. God loves us all. He loves the world. To borrow a, a, a quote from Francis Schaeffer, there, is no, there are no little people um, in the gospel work, and, and we're a team. We're a people for Christ. We're the bride of Christ, and we reflect God's love to the world with a cross before us and the world to reach, and, and we have the gift of salvation to share. And then the last is, is and that's probably said multiple times during this, this discussion, is that we are God's representatives on earth. We are ambassadors for Christ. We share Jesus through our words, through our work, through our example, through our wisdom. And when we follow in obedience, God's glorified. His kingdom's advanced. And, and Dwayne, we can't hope for no greater thing than this. It's all about how we represent God in this world. Amen. Uh, That's the whole focus of this particular lesson. Uh, Fran, I appreciate you being with us today. Next week, we're going to be looking at session three. We'll be looking at chapter three of 1 Timothy, uh, where Paul gives uh, requirements, gives a list of requirements for godly leaders. Thank you much, and God bless. Thank you.